0: Imagine the scene, okay? Canaan, the promised land. Finally, here we are. We've made it. And boy, let me tell you, it was touch and go back there. Forty years the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness after that fateful meeting with God on Mount Sinai. Forty years since their fathers refused to trust God and give them the land. Forty odd years since they were rescued from Egypt and slavery at the hands of a maniacal monarch pharaoh here it was the river jordan the final hurdle all they had to do was cross that river and they were there at long last in the land flowing with milk and honey but just before they went in and by god's strength were to begin assuming control they were reminded of where they come from they were reminded of their history Rescued, redeemed, restored, reconstituted from a slave race into a nation, a free nation. They were reminded of the Red Sea. And they were reminded of the covenant they made with God at Mount Sinai all those years ago. Deuteronomy 27 is where we read of it. And as the Ten Commandments were recounted to Israel, one commandment would have stood out. One commandment would have seemed out of place. One commandment would have seemed more difficult perhaps than all the others. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that Yahweh your God is giving you. Not only would this have stood out because on that day the order of the Ten Commandments was changed so that this was the second commandment read to them behind have no idols but also because of its content Honour our father and mother. Really? Our father and mother. The guys who made a golden calf. The guys who didn't go up the mountain. The guys who refused to go in the land when we were here 40 years ago. Even after all they'd seen. Even after all you'd done. Those guys, honour them. Really? The answer to that question is, yeah, really. Honour your father and mother. It's not recorded that Israel, as they stood um, with the Jordan Valley before them, felt that way or even had those thoughts, but you could understand why they might have. Many of their parents were not worthy of honour, and yet God requires it of them so that their days in the land may be long. Honour your father and mother. It's a question that resonates in the modern world in Manchester 2013. Honour your father and mother. Nobody believes that anymore, do they? Nobody does that. I mean, generally, respect for elders is on the wane, isn't it? Nobody gets up on a bus anymore for a senior citizen. Respectful authority is not widespread. It seems like every day we read of something going wrong in a school. And if it's like that on the macro level, nationally, you can bet that it happens on the micro level, in thousands of homes in Mossside, Fallerfield, and Withington. In our communities where we live on many levels, this doesn't happen. And you can bet in our church, in our lives, on certain levels, we are also found lacking. Honor your father and mother, derided and ignored in our society, often forgotten in our churches. And yet here it is, in the Ten Commandments. The ten principles of how to live as a free person in God's society. The ten principles that you could build your life on. Not only that, it's not only present, it's prominent. By reading, sorry, by reaching this commandment, we've hit what many people describe as the second table of the law. The first table of the law deals with how we relate to God, and the second table of the law deals with how we relate to each other. And the first word in this second table is, honour your father and mother. The prominence of this command is multiplied by a few other factors. First, as Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, it's the first command with a promise that's attached to it. Honour your father and mother, why? That the days of your life may be long in the land that Yahweh your God is giving you. In fact, when the command is repeated in Deuteronomy 5, the promise is slightly expanded. Honour your father and mother, as Yahweh your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that he is giving you. This promise isn't just attached to, to this particular command. It's not like they could keep this one, break all the others, and expect to live in the, in the land for a long time. That wasn't going to happen. This promise is more generally attached to keeping the covenant as a whole. But it's attached to this particular commandment to give it prominence. And I think it's because this command is an indicator of where your heart is on the rest of the law. If you don't respect your parents, realistically, you're not going to respect God. And you're not going to respect other people. The second way that this command is given prominence is that it's recorded as the second commandment on a couple of occasions. We've already looked at one or thought of one when Israel was standing before the Jordan River ready to go in. But it happened another time earlier in Leviticus 19. Again, it's second only to honor God. The third indicator of this commandment's prominence is its highly visible presence in Scripture the way that God speaks about it, and the severe punishments that accompany a failure to obey. Let me read you just a few of the incidents in Scripture where this comes up. Whoever strikes his father or mother shall be put to death, Exodus 21.15. Whoever curses his father or mother shall be put to death, Exodus 21.17. It's a pretty severe punishment, isn't it? Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Whoever robs his father or his mother and says that this is no transgression is a companion to a man who destroys. They're all from Proverbs. Another one. From Proverbs, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. That is not something that you want to happen to you. But here's the kicker, okay, for me from the Old Testament, Ezekiel 22. The word of the Lord came to me, so Ezekiel speaking, the prophet, and he's saying, And you, son of man, will you judge? Will you judge the bloody city? Speaking of Jerusalem. Then declare to her all her abominations. And do you want to guess what one of Israel's abominations was? Verse 7. Father and mother are treated with contempt in you. It is an abomination before God for his people to dishonor their parents. An abomination. If I was to ask you what you thought the Bible listed as an abomination, I will bet you you wouldn't have said dishonoring your parents. And the New Testament affirms this. Romans 1. Paul, speaking about people who've rejected God. Since they didn't see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Doesn't sound good. What's at the end? Disobedient to parents. 2 Timothy 3. Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Listen to the the rest of this description. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, (coughs) treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. That's what people who dishonor their parents are really like in their hearts. God is affronted when we do not honor our parents. He places this commandment very, very, very high on his people's to-do list. In fact, we could say that it's the second most important commandment. Some commentators do. And even if that makes you feel uneasy, we can certainly say that God cares about this commandment more than we often realize. I hope I've made my point. And so far, it's just been to say, this is really, really important. <clears throat> but what does it mean to honor our parents if it's so important? Why was it so important to God? And what does it entail? Oh, so, that was a bit early, huh? <laughs> Sorry about that. You know what's coming. The first point to make is that this commandment concerns our parents, okay? Our actual father and our actual mother, not our forefathers, though there is a hint of that. And we see this from the way that the biblical writers often apply this commandment. So Moses says later in Exodus um, that to strike our mother or father deserves death. We read that earlier. Okay? You can't hit your forefathers because they're dead. <laughs> but you can hit your parents. And just to be clear, don't do that. Especially you, Namdi, okay? <laughs> we also see it in the way that the Apostle Paul applies this commandment in the New Testament. When he speaks to little children and tells them to obey their parents. We'll return to that later, but for now, we'll just take the point that Paul is is talking about your actual mum and dad. You can't obey your forefathers, because they're not alive to require anything of you. So this commandment primarily concerns our parents. So for me, that's my mum. I have to honour my mother, there she is. That's who I have to honour, because she's the only parent I've got. And it means for my son, Joshua, he has to primarily honour Rhiannon, my wife, and me, because where is mum and dad? So that's the who. But what does it actually mean to honour our parents? Well, let's start with what it doesn't mean. The commandment is not saying that you have to love your parents. It is not saying that you have to trust your parents. It's not saying that we have to admire them, enjoy them, or even obey them, actually. The word is honour. And the reason for that is that the Ten Commandments are the ten principles to build our lives on. You could build a society on these principles, And they have to make sense. But we can't always love our parents because, frankly, some parents are evil. We can't always trust our parents because some parents are not trustworthy. We can't always admire our parents because some parents are very foolish or very weak. We can't always enjoy our parents because some parents are manipulative and selfish and unreasonably unhappy with us. We can't even always obey our parents because they ask of us things that go against the grain with our faith, and that's why Paul says in Ephesians Ephesians six: "Obey your parents in the Lord." He knows that sometimes it's not possible, we have to choose, and our loyalty must lie with God. The other consideration to make is that when biblical writers apply this commandment with the child to obey our parents, the word translated oh, the word translated as children," and this is really clear refers to non-adult children. So as adults, we're not actually expected to obey our parents as standard, although you might do. God is aware of all these details. He's aware of sinful parents. Remember who was initially hearing this commandment, okay? The Israelites standing before the River Jordan. Remember their parents. They were failures. It was because of their parents that they'd been walking in the wilderness for 40 years until they died. We can't always love, trust, admire, enjoy, or even obey our parents. But we can always honour them. And in fact, we must always honour our parents. It's nothing to do with how we feel. Rather, it's a moral choice that we must make. The word honour literally means to weigh heavily. Okay, that's what it literally means. That is to give prominence, or respect, or status, It means that you choose to regard them in a certain way. You give them them weight, you give them substance. They're a priority. It means it's a decision to treat our parents with dignity and courtesy, to provide them with long-term loyalty to their best interests, even when they don't deserve it. In practice, that works itself out differently for each of us because we're all in different stages of life and we've all got different parents. But the moral choice for each of us is the same. We must weigh our parents heavily. We must honour them. My father was a quiet man. He wasn't incredibly confident. He never knew his own father because he died in World War II. And that meant that my dad found it pretty difficult to relate to me and other guys actually. Often I felt that he was quite distant and that he didn't have much affection for me. He primarily related to other men in a matey way. That's pretty much what our relationship looked like. And I remember one occasion where I was talking to my dad. We were in the car. My mum and my sister were there. I was about 18. It was like my second semester of university, first year. And I talked down to him about something. I can't remember what it was. I I talked down to him. Didn't respect him. My dad didn't say anything, but my mum did later on. We were alone, and she gently came and talked to me and said, I'd hurt my father in that exchange. She said that he didn't scold me because he, he believed that respect was earned and that clearly he hadn't earned my respect. And then she made it clear that I had plenty of reasons to respect my father, chiefly that he'd made loads of sacrifices for me and my sister to provide for his family. And in that moment, I knew, I knew that it was my choice to have a certain attitude about him and towards him. I knew that I had a choice to honour him or not. And I'll never forget it. I remember it really clearly. It's one of those moments. It doesn't haunt you. But it stays with you. And I knew that it was wrong for me not to have honoured my father. I knew it was wrong to not weigh him heavily. It is a moral choice. To honour our parents. <clears throat> That's what the commandment is at its heart. But why is this commandment so important to God? There are a few reasons I think. First and briefly... It's a pretty radical commandment. It doesn't just say honour your father, but honour your father and mother. It's a commandment that shows that women are valuable and worthy of respect because they're also made in God's image. And this sort of attitude is the air that we breathe, isn't it, in modern day life. But back in Moses' day, that's incredibly countercultural. This commandment shows that Yahweh is different. It shows that life under Yahweh is better than life in Egypt. Because instead of being slaves, the men and the women of Israel are given a dignity that, frankly, they just don't deserve by their own merit. This commandment shows that Yahweh is good. So it's important for that reason. The second reason I think it's so important to God is that all, of, of all the human relationships that we have, the one that we share with our parents, and with our children if we are parents, is a window on our relationship with God himself. Even before the New Testament God was described as a father, and Israel is described as God's son. Our attitude towards our parents invariably impacts our attitudes towards God, our Heavenly Father. In fact, our impressions of and our beliefs about God's character are directly influenced by the quality of relationship that we have with our parents. We often find ourselves imagining God to be like our parents. So that means that if if your parents were, were tyrants, or the dominant parent was we'll be more tempted to believe that God is also a tyrant. If our parents were distant, we'll be more tempted to believe that God is also distant and doesn't love us. I struggle with that all the time, and I know that my dad loved me. If our parents seem to always be unhappy with us, we'll be more tempted to think that we must prove ourselves to God. And so it goes. The number of Bible studies I've led with young men where I've discovered what their relationship is like with their father and have then seen that that relational baggage seep into their impressions of God, is staggering. I've never come across someone who hasn't been affected in this way. And that translates into the way that we treat God. Well, if we're committed to honoring our parents, that seeps into our relationship with God too, which actually is really very good news for God's people because then we are compelled to look at God And we're compelled to see the differences between him and our parents. And we're compelled to trust him. We're compelled to see him for who he really is. Someone who is so different from our human parents. Someone who is perfect and holy and kind and loving. And actually we see this through the law countless times. Paul says in Galatians that the law was given because of transgressions and sin. And I think that we see that in the flow of Exodus and the rest of the Pentateuch too. And this shows us our sin and it shows us our need of a saviour which in turn was to remind God's people of how he had revealed himself to them. And how has God revealed himself to his people at this point? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. God is telling them, I'm a saviour. That is who I am. That is fundamentally who I am. To you. So when you're presented with your sin by a law that you can't keep remember that it's handed down by a saviour God. Who is predisposed to wanting to save you. Your only option then is to have faith in this God. Faith that he will save you. I think that's why we've got the law. And I think that's why we've got this law. I think this commandment brings it out. It says you can't really keep me. You can't really honour your parents. It's not like any of you are never going to say anything rude about your parents. Well that deserves death. So, you know, have faith like Abraham. Trust that I am a saviour God. And this kind of faith produces holiness and a heart that wishes to obey. And again, that's compatible with the New Testament because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And the only reason we love him is because he loved us first and saved us. So he's a saviour. That's how God consistently reveals himself to us. So that's why I think it's important to God. So what does it look like to honour our father, fathers and our mothers? <clears throat> and I've got some thoughts that I'm going to share. But I... I feel like I've got to say um, that I'm only too aware that some of us don't have good relationships with our parents. And I'm only too aware that some of our parents are not believers. And I'm only too aware that some of our parents have been behaving really badly towards us. And I feel that burden right now as I speak to you. And I just want to say that these are not hard and fast rules. I'm just trying to work out that principle so that you can see what it looks like. And then go and work out how you do it in your particular circumstances. But you don't have to do that alone. We are a church, we are a family, we're a community. So why not talk to someone? Talk to someone in your community group. Talk to a close friend. Get their help and advice and prayer about how to do this. So with that caveat, here's how I think that we can do this. The first obvious implication is the one that Paul talks about in Ephesians. If we're young children, if we're a young child living with our parents, then it pleases the Lord for us to be obedient to him. Sorry, for to be obedient to our parents. And that might suck at times. You might really not like that commandment. Because, you know, our parents aren't perfect. They get it wrong. Sometimes they're too hard on us. But God wants us to weigh them heavily by obeying their wishes. He does give us a stipulation that we obey them in the Lord. And that means that, you know, I think that he'll strengthen us to obey them. And it also means that we can judge if something they've said is Ungodly, and we can talk to them about it respectfully. But for the most part, when they say, you know, don't play on your Xbox anymore or your iPad, go and do your homework, for whatever reason, you've got to obey them. It's the first implication. That's not many of us are like that, but you know, you might be parents one day, so it's good to know. The next obvious application is that um, we can strive to show appreciation to our parents. You know, appreciation for them. Let them know that we're grateful for the good things that they've done, because it's just far too easy not to, isn't it? It's too easy to take our parents for granted. It's harder for some of us than others to find good things to be grateful for, but when we do, you know, thank them. Make a point of it. We weigh them heavily by showing them courtesy, things like remembering their birthdays and particularly talking to the men in the room. (laughs) Remembering to call them regularly, again, guys, (laughs) and involve them in our lives, guys. Okay, even if we'd rather push them away. Involve them in your lives. Prioritising them in our prayers honours them. Speaking one of them in public. And I'm not saying, you know, lie about them. But where you can, speak positively about them in public. And this this is one of the ways in which we can actually honour our parents if they're dead. So my dad's dead, but I can honour him still by speaking of him in a particular way. He's not perfect. He's my father. So I speak of him in a particular way. Um, Yeah. When we speak to them speaks to them with reverence and respect. They're not our mates, okay? And even if that's how our parents try and relate to us, that's not how we should relate back to them, okay? We should resist that. Because I think that's them just really wanting to, like, earn our love. We've got to, like, actually help them and honour them by not going along with that all the time. I'm not saying we can't have fun with them. I'm not saying we can't have a good time. But primarily, they're our parents. Honour them, respect them. And particularly, don't talk down to your parents, especially if you're educated and they're not. It's very painful for them and for you. I think we should probably seek our parents' advice on big decisions as well. will give you an example. When Rhiannon and I were in- discussing engagement, I called my parents, even though they're not Christians, because I felt like it was a decision that I should involve them in. And Rhiannon was going to speak to her parents too, and we'd agreed that if one, one of our parents or sets had said... <coughs> I've got concerns about this, you should wait that we take that seriously and think it over. I remember being really nervous about calling my mum and dad to tell them because they weren't Christians and I thought, you know, they might just say, you've not even lived together yet or something like that. It's like, oh man, this could be awkward. Um, And my dad was busy at the time, he was working, um, so I just spoke to my mum and I was a little bit relieved about that actually. Genuinely thought that it was going to be awkward, but they were both thrilled. And my dad actually called me back at 11 o'clock when he finished work. And let me tell you, my dad never did that. He wasn't a small talk guy, he didn't talk to you. But he was thrilled. He was thrilled. It was a really big deal. He was just so pleased. And not just pleased, you know, he was like, that's dead good news, I'm really chuffed. But I think I could tell he was just pleased that I'd asked him what he thought, and that I told him that. I would listen to him if he said I should win. I actually honoured him and pleased him. If your parents give you advice, you should weigh it up carefully and prayerfully. You don't have to go with it, but you should mull it over for sure. Take it seriously. Weigh them heavily. And if we're not little children, the scholar Richard Pratt makes a really good point that um, when children have grown to adulthood and parents have grown old, the emphasis of scripture shifts from obedience to financial support. So Jesus tells the Pharisees that they have violated the fifth commandment when, using a religious pretext, they fail to support their parents, that's Mark 7. And the Apostle Paul, dealing with the needs of widows in the church, tells children and grandchildren to meet those needs in 1 Timothy 5. And when he does that, he employs some of the strongest language that the Bible has against those who refuse this responsibility. I think he's got a really good point. I don't know what you think about the time when your parents are too old to look after themselves, but it is going to come. I think we should think about it seriously. Think about it now. And be prepared to be countercultural and inconvenienced. Because we know that our life isn't all about ourselves and isn't all about pleasure. Our parents raised us. And there comes a point when we have to honour them. So I often make a point of saying to my mum and my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, because biblically there is no distinction really. They're counted as your parents once you're married. I make a point of saying to them, and I'm not sure how well it goes down, because it it's sort of bringing them up the fact that they're old. But I make the point of saying that, you know, when that time comes, I want them to come live with us. And that if at all possible, I wouldn't send them to a nursing home. I'm not sure Rihanna's on board with this either. But that's what we're doing in my family. I think that's really important. And I think it really actually shows our faith in God. It's good works that actually... Bring glory to God. I think we have to be willing to forgive our parents as well. They're not perfect, and even the good ones are going to make mistakes. But this is often a very painful thing to ask of us. I've got experience of trying to honour a parent who is unworthy. And this person is difficult and flawed, and he's hurt family members who I love dearly. In fact, it's fair to say that this person who's been a bully refused to take responsibility for their actions and have so far denied the Christian imperative for reconciliation. I don't really know what to do with them. I'd like to punch them. I'm often really cross with them. And in fact, a few summers ago, I completely, completely lost it at them and blew my top at the dinner table. Very dramatic throwing of a napkin. have been scared (laughs) (laughs) the thing is I was in the right on that occasion but I had to apologise for the way that I spoke to that person and I still have to not give up on them I have to try to forgive them for the way they spoke at that time and I have to try and fix this whole other family situation that's caused so much pain and has become so ugly because I must honour this person I have to model the things that they should model and do it in a way that honours them. Do it in a way that they appreciate. It's really not easy. I don't do it because I want to. Tim Keller helps me makes the point that we really have to try and discern how our parents want to be honoured. Because we all have different family cultures. So what's your family culture? My mum wants a phone call every couple of days. She doesn't even want to talk for that long. She always says the same thing. She always cuts it off like after 40 seconds. So I have to like press it to go longer. But that's what she wants. But my father wanted to be spoken to in a certain way. That's how Rhiannon's father wants to be spoken to. That's how he wants to be honoured. It's not hard for me to do that. So I should try and do those things. Thinking about the ways that, that they want to be honoured. That's why there's no hard and fast rule about this. And this is hard. None of us do it perfectly. In fact, I know that because Exodus 21:17, like we said, you know, anyone who strikes or so curses their mother or father should be put to death. I'm pretty sure we've all spoken rudely against our parents, haven't we? So, technically, we all deserve to die. Which I know we don't believe, but that's how strongly God thinks that this commandment should be adhered to. And there's another way in which we've dishonoured our parents, actually. Because remember how this commandment is second only to the commandment to honour God? Well I think in our hearts often we invert those commandments. So when we make our relationship to our parents top of the pile, you know, we may crave their acceptance, we may crave their love, we may crave their approval, we may crave for them to be our fortress, we may crave for them to be more impressive, we may crave for them to be interested, we may crave for them to be proud. And we crave those things so strongly that we strive to earn them at all cost. And that it then defines the way we live and the people that we are and the way we view and relate to God. It could even be that our relationship with our parents is actually so good that it replaces our need for God. But this actually leads to a life of fear and bondage and slavery. God's people are to be free. We're to honour our parents but not to enthrone them as God's. We'll never be able to honor them if we're pinning our hopes and dreams on their approval, or if we're so damaged that we hide the pain in a deep, dark place and avoid them. Psalmist, Psalmist says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing." We have to taste and see that the Lord is good in in order to want for nothing. So everything that you want from your relationship with your parents, you're not going to get it from them. But you will get it from God. In order to be free, we have to not look at our parents for for the window on our relationship with God and our standing with God, but upon God himself, Jesus Christ. We have to let our relationship with God be shaped by Jesus. We have to let our impressions of God be shaped by Jesus. Because Jesus shows us what God is really like. He is the image of the invisible God. He's his son. And in the way that my son images me to the world, Jesus images his father to the world. So he shows us what God is really like and how our parents should have been. Jesus shows us a father who is willing to forgive. A father who, as as we can read in Psalm 103, doesn't treat us according to our sins and transgressions. Jesus shows us a father who is willing to lavish grace upon us. The kind of father that we all want to be. The kind of mother that we want to be. So look at how Jesus was. He came to the earth in order to pursue his people as a saviour. He told the story of a prodigal son whose father was looking for that son who had treated him so badly to return. And when he saw him, he ran to him and lavished his love upon him. That same father went and pursued the older son who went out in a grump. Jesus went to the cross to demonstrate his father's love for us. And we need to taste that love, drink of it deeply, to be free of the need of our parents' approval. We can't seek from our parents what only he can give us. And as soon as we stop doing it, we'll be free to really honour them. Okay, We'll be free to see their flaws, free to take the blows from them, free to turn the other cheek free to appreciate the good they've done for us. Because you see, truly honouring our parents reflects a heart that has faith. And that kind of heart can look forward to long days ahead in the new creation that our God is giving us. It can look forward in faith knowing that it rests wholly on Jesus' blood. And that truth sets us free and empowers us to live different lives. So the question to ask yourselves is do you want to be free? Because if you do, on your parents. Do you want to be free? Well, have faith in Jesus, for he is good and he's a loving Savior. Do you want to be free? Have faith in this Jesus who pursues you, defines you, frees you, and loves you unconditionally. He is our heart's deepest desire, he is our refuge, he is our King. He is the perfect mirror for our standing before God. Have faith in him and be free. Because then you'll honour your parents. Because then they'll be where they should be, which is under him. So have faith in this Jesus, who has revealed himself to us as a saviour, who loves us. Honour your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that Yahweh, your God, is giving you. Let's pray and thanks to this God. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are who you are. You're not defined by who we think you are. You're defined by yourself. You revealed yourself to be a saviour. You revealed yourself to be loving and giving. You've given us everything we have. Help us to put you in the right place at the top so that we can honour our parents. Lord, we thank you for our parents. We thank you for the parents that have been good to us and the parents that have been bad to us because we know you've used it all to bring us to you. Father, we pray that you would help us to live your way, to live as free people so that Jesus might be radiated from us and that we could share this with the people around us in Manchester, in Mosside and Fallerfield. And Withington and beyond. We pray in his holy name, for he is worthy and wonderful.